Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Great, and I'm thankful to be here and have the opportunity to reacquaint with many of you as uh, I've had the chance to be here in the past. I'm glad my wife is with me as well, and she hasn't always had the opportunity to uh, travel with me up here, but I'm glad she's here as well, and I don't want to take a lot of time advertising CDs. Most of you here have all of our sons, our families CDs, but there's a new one back there, so you better go back and check the table afterward, and uh, she'll be back there, I'll be back there to help you if you would uh, like to have some good music in your home. Pastor, thank you for letting me come. And uh, thank you for your message before my message. Many times it's after. I guess in Sunday school it was kind of after the message. And then here you really encourage my heart by uh, the way the Lord has already used what I've, uh, what I've shared from God's word and uh, his heart. And several of you have talked to me. But he made a comment in the, in the Sunday school at the end of the, the service when he was talking about the number of people in the Bible that got involved in government. Do you remember making that comment? And you said, you know, it's not just uh, you know, us that God is wanting to use. God used people. And if I were just to go around the room and talk about some of the people in scriptures that uh, God used, would anybody think about Moses? What did Moses do? Do we not need some Moseses uh, going uh, to Washington, D.C. and I'll say, let my people go? <laughs> Especially, you know, you talk about the impact upon the church. You know, where all of a sudden when we preach against sin, it's hate speech. We're, we're just a step away, my friends. Uh, if the Supreme Court would go a particular way, there are folks that already believe that. That would say that uh, Bible speech is hate speech. And we need some Moses saying, let our people go. Let us have freedom. One of the things I'm involved in right now, this last week I met with leadership in both of the, the committees on education. Because, as you know, with Secretary Betsy DeVos and with the new president, there's a lot of talk about parental choice and education. Um, but we have to be careful. And I was, as president of the American Association of Christian Schools, I was involved in, with uh, President Bush and his staff. And t- when he was talking about parental choice and education, it's one thing to have choice as parents. I think every parent ought to have that choice. But we don't need entanglement. We don't need to be told how to educate our children or who should be doing it. So we need to have that religious freedom, and somebody has to be there talking to them about that because there's a lot of religious organizations don't mind strings being attached. I mind. You should mind. And uh, we, as a body of believers, remember what Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but unto God the things that are. And parents should have the right to educate their children the way they see fit. And uh, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we need some Moses. But even there was a guy by the name of David that some, I think somewhere it says he was a man after God's own heart. How could a politician be a man after God's own heart? Right? And by the way, isn't it an encouragement that you see people in the scriptures that uh, God has greatly used that blew it? That's an encouragement to me. You know why? I've blown it. 
Am I the only one? Would a few other people raise your hand? How many sinners are here this morning? Isn't it wonderful that God uses sinners? Peter is such an encouragement to me. Denied the Lord three times. I've never done that. You know, publicly. Maybe in my actions sometimes. No, I never knew him. I never knew him. No, no. But guess what? A broken and contrite spirit he'll not despise. And that's what Peter had, and that's what we need to have when we sin. We should be broken over our sin. And if we confess our sin, say it with me. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to... Hallelujah for the long-suffering nature of our God. He's forgiven us through his son and his shed blood on the cross. And that same Peter in Acts chapter 2, wasn't he greatly used? Praise the Lord. And I could go on and on and on, but uh, I have a limited amount of time this morning. uh, And I want to get to Daniel. Because how many remember Daniel? The Hebrew children. Because in Sunday school, we talked about why we should be involved. But I want to talk to you this morning out of Daniel chapter 6 about, you know, how we should be involved or who should be involved, what kind of people we should be as we're involved as salt and light. What are the characteristics that ought to be in our lives I'm looking for in the lives of those who serve us in Washington, D.C. I'm looking for these in the lives of the people who serve us in our local churches. Daniel was used of God in a wicked society with a wicked king because he exhibited certain characteristics. And there's four I'm going to point out to you this morning out of Daniel chapter 6 that I want in my life. I hope you want in your life. And I want in the lives of those who represent the Lord Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C., Lansing, or Mayo, Michigan. Daniel chapter 6, and we'll start reading in verse 1. It said, Please, Darius, to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Sounds like politics to me. Sounds like a government position to me, an appointment, if you would. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. He was the first of the three. He was preferred over the others. Why? Here's the first characteristic. Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. There was an excellent spirit spirit in him. You know, the Bible says we're to glorify God in our bodies and in our heart, in our spirits. We're supposed to have not only the right actions, but we're supposed to have the right attitudes. Have you ever been around somebody that was obnoxious? Don't point at anybody, please. I'm concerned, my friends, that some people reject our message because of our manner. They reject the truth of God's word because of the way we present it or the way we act. Sometimes it's, oh, you reprobate, you, you scum, you agent of the devil, you... Yeah. And all of a sudden, because of our unkind, ungracious spirit, we, we're not able to really have people listen to our message because they don't like our attitude. You know what the Bible says? Our speech is to always be with grace. 
seasoned with salt. Even in the government arena, I don't like being around these people. And if you don't change, I'm going to just do this, this, and that. I'm going to have a... You know, I can be very kind and gracious in talking to somebody and telling them they're wrong. I don't have to have a mean spirit. I don't have to have a mean attitude. Pastor mentioned some of the attitudes that are coming out right now. In that vote on this past uh, week after the uh, 27-hour debate on repeal and replace, you could tell the attitude. Of course, I know they've been up for over 24 hours, the members of Congress. But you could tell the attitude even by the way they responded to the vote. Yes! Yeah! No! Yeah! Definitely not! Yeah! It was just amazing. I wish I could have had a camera there and showing everybody, not only did their action come out, but their attitude came out. And folks, I expect that out of the world. I don't expect that out of God's children. One of the things I try to help people understand as they walk the halls of Congress with me and as they go into Senate offices or congressional offices, that we would be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. But by the grace of God, where would you be? Where would I be? We need to have excellent spirits. We need to have kind words. You know what the Bible says? The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says. We think it works. I'll give them a piece of my mind. I'll tell them what. No. If you want God to do the work, we need to have an excellent spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit. And therefore, he was greatly used of God in a very difficult situation. But there's a second thing. Um, Verse 4 says, Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Not only did he have an excellent spirit, he also had a good testimony. He had a good testimony. They They couldn't find any fault with him. They said, man, this guy... he." He, he, did, he, he seems to do right most of the time. When I first went to Washington, D.C. as president of the American Association of Christian Schools and started setting up our office there and started going to meetings and different things, there were other Christian organizations there. As a matter of fact, uh, as we got involved, we were one of the first uh, fundamental organizations, straight Bible-believing organizations that uh, had the opportunity to be in some high-level meetings. Now, it wasn't because we were such an important organization, okay? It was because John Ashcroft was my friend, and he got me into the meetings. And we're still there today. And once you get there and you conduct yourself with an excellent spirit, you know, you, you get to stay. Other times, people that don't keep, conduct themselves in an excellent spirit or they don't keep confidences, and talk to the press, they're asked not to come in the future. But one of the things I noticed was uh, some of the people that were representing these organizations. And I'm not going to give you the names. I'm not here to belittle any other organization. But there was one organization that actually had the name Christian in their organization. And the person representing them in Washington, D.C. was an Orthodox Jew. 
Does that confuse you? Well, you know what? It confused the members of Congress. They said, if this is such and such Christian organization, why is this Orthodox Jew coming in and talking to me? And especially some of the Christian members of Congress were really confused. Now, I know there's a lot of discussion today, even in Christian circles, about drinking. No, I'm not talking about drinking water. I'm talking about drinking alcoholic beverages. You know what I'm talking about, right? By the way, I'm against it. And there's a lot of things I don't like necessarily about President Trump and his attitude and actions. But I love the fact that he's a teetotaler. Now, I like that, okay? And praise the Lord that we have somebody in the White House that doesn't drink. I had a governor, John Ashcroft, that didn't drink, didn't serve alcohol in any of the state affairs and had that good. But I'll tell you, it frustrates me when there's people that supposedly represent Christ and they go to the parties that'll be there in Washington, D.C., and not only do they drink, but sometimes they get drunk. And I think all of us that I believe should think it's wrong to drink, you know where I stand? Do you, do you all know where I stand? Okay, I just want you Even if you don't agree with me, you would say Bible's very clear about being drunk, right? Would you at least get on board with that one, okay? And by the way, if you never drink, you don't have to worry about getting drunk. Just trying to help you, okay? But what kind of testimony is that? You see, we represent more than conservatism. We represent Jesus Christ. Now, I appreciate all the ladies here today, and I'm so thankful for your modest dress. Not that I've been going around looking at all the ladies. Okay, I just want to make sure my wife's here. I wouldn't do that. You know, I'm, I'm, but... I'm telling you, men, isn't sometimes stand out some places you go and all of a sudden, you know, and that's why I say, men, you need to be the one helping your daughters know how to dress and helping your wives know how to dress because you know what men look at. At least shake your head. I know your wife's sitting by it, but you notice, right? Come on. I'm, am I only a man here? Is somebody, Pastor, would you at least shake your head? You know, okay. Yeah, okay, good, good. I, I mean, and, and we understand, and that's why it's so important for us to gird up the loins of our mind, but it's also so important for our ladies to dress properly. But how sad some of the people representing the cause of Christ in Washington, D.C., and the way they dress on Capitol Hill. And the men talking about them in ways they shouldn't be talking about. I'm not talking about the Christian. I'm talking about all the people that are there in the meeting. Woo! Yo, you see... If we're going to represent Jesus Christ, we need to have a good testimony. By the way, that's why we as pastors are challenged to have a good testimony. Those are within and those are without. And aren't you thankful you have a pastor that has that kind of testimony within and without? Praise the Lord. And by the way, around the country, he has that kind of testimony. If we want to represent the Lord Jesus Christ properly in my own, Lansing, Washington, D.C. Not only do we need to have an excellent spirit, treat people the way we want to be treated, but we need to have a good testimony and represent Jesus Christ properly. But you notice they weren't satisfied with that, so some people conspired against him, and without reading it all, what did they do? They, they, they came up and made sure that Darius came up with a, uh, a new policy, a new decree about only praying to him. 
And verse 9 says, Wherefore King Darius signed the writing in the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. And giving thanks before his God as he did aforetime. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and... And by the way, I believe a lot of people prayed through this last election cycle. Because we, we are in desperate days. People knew we were in desperate days. And oh, how we need to continue to pray. As a matter of fact, we had a little... A little campaign that we did several years ago during the national election with a button that we would wear in Washington, D.C. and other places, and maybe we'll resurrect this again sometime, but it was pray, vote, pray. And I hope that you'll adopt that theme, whether or not you wear a button or not. Pray before elections, vote, everybody should vote, and then pray for those who are elected, whether you like who are elected, who are not, you don't like who are elected, we still need to pray because men ought always to pray, it says in Luke 18 and verse 1. We ought always to pray. And that's exactly what Daniel was doing. He had a consistent prayer life. He had an excellent spirit. He had a good testimony. And he had a consistent prayer life. As he had done aforetime, as was his common practice. What if I knew about your prayer life? Is it consistent? You know, the Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing. Now, you probably don't remember this. I, this, this, was be, this would be straight A plus, okay? Uh, I was here four and a half years ago or five, something like that. I was talking to Jamie about when he came. I was here on his first Sunday. So that was uh, four and a half years ago, I think, or five, somewhere in that realm. So I preached a message you say, you know what? Yeah, because I don't want to preach it again this, this time. Just in case somebody would remember it. Now, it's like that pastor that preached the same message three times in a row. And somebody finally had bold enough to say, well, Pastor, you preached the same message three times in a row. He says, I know. I'm going to keep preaching it until you live it. <laughs> so he was being a little stubborn, I guess. But I talked about being filled with the Spirit, and I talked about praying without ceasing, and I talked about spiritual breathing. Does anybody, now, if you do, you're going you're gonna to really impress me. Um, and I'm going to reteach it whether you remember it or not, okay? But I really believe when it comes to praying without ceasing, we need to function the way we breathe. How many of you breathe? Keep it up, okay? Let us know if you have a problem, all right? When we breathe, we do two things. What do we do? Two aspects to breathe. Now, this isn't a trick question, okay? What do we do? Inhale and exhale. Inhale and exhale. That's what we do. Well, I believe when it comes to living the Christian life, you know, the Bible says we should walk in the Spirit so we don't give in to the lust of the flesh. I think we need to breathe spiritually. Breathe spiritually. Constantly saying, Lord, help me to live the Christian life. Lord, help me to to know how to minister to this person. Lord, please let me know what I should say in this situation. Please, Lord, I'm inhaling and asking God to fill me and use me for his glory. 
And then when I have a wrong thought, because some woman isn't dressing properly, and all of a sudden, Lord, don't let me have that thought. I'm sorry, Lord, for even looking. Please, help me not to look anymore. Well, you know, you've never failed in your mind? Are you all, have you ever gotten angry at somebody in your mind? Help me not to say what I'm thinking right now. Right? And when we do, what do we need to do? Confess. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh it shall find mercy. Don't you want the mercy of God? So what do we do? We confess sin, and we call upon God to help us, to live for him. We confess sin, and we call upon God to, to help us. We, we exhale the sin of our life, and we're inhaling the power of the Holy Spirit, and hopefully... We can be inhaling more than we're exhaling. Don't try that, physically speaking. Get rid of the impurities. But we should have a consistent prayer life. When I'm walking into those offices of members of Congress, yes, I have some things written down, but as you start talking to people, then I I sense sometimes an opportunity to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or I sense maybe a problem in their family that I want to just pray with them about. And one of the things that I do consistently is before I leave, would say, would you mind if I would pray with you? I've only had one time in an office in Washington, D.C. in all these years that I've been involved as president of AACS and now with Advance USA that I've had somebody say, no, please don't pray for me. I have had that once. But it's consistent. It needs to be if we're going to see God's power. Jesus said this, without me, ye can do nothing. Then why do we not pray? I was so glad you sang the song, Lord, I need you. Could we change it? Lord, we need you? Individually, as a nation, do we not need consistent prayer? I need it in my life, you need it in your life. If I ever want to see a an altar full of people. Just preach on prayer. Who has done all they can do to get a hold of the power of God? I sure haven't. And too many times when life is gentle and blessings flood my way, I turn my gaze away from thee and soon forget to pray. But when the sky grows darker, been there, courage turns to fear. My anxious voice cries upward, Help! With words you long to hear, Lord, I need you. When the sea of life is calm, Lord, I need you. When the winds are blowing strong, whether trials come or cease, keep me always on my knees. Because, Lord, I need you. We need you. Our country needs you. We need to be like Daniel. A man with an excellent spirit, a good testimony, a consistent prayer life. And one last point. Oh, yes, you know, he's thrown into the lion's den. You know that they get locked jaw, and he, he has everything's fine because God shuts up. And then it talks about the king coming and being so excited. And then in verse 21, Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. 
My God sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths. They have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no matter of hurt was found upon him. Look at this last phrase. Because he believed in his God. Because he believed in his God. Nothing is impossible when you put your trust in God. Revival is possible in the United States of America. God can change this country. God can do anything but fail. I don't know if it's his will. I'm praying for it. And we're supposed to pray faith believing. And Daniel had a powerful faith. Daniel had a powerful faith. And remember, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The just shall live by faith. Right? How do we get saved? For by grace are you saved through... Listen, folks, it starts with saving faith. You you need to know your sins are forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. And it's not through the church. It's not through your good works. It's through Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It was 18 for me. When I exercised faith and believed. Some people say, I can't figure it out. I can't either. That's why it's by faith. It's a gift. Don't figure it out. Accept it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It starts with saving faith, but doesn't end there. See, we have to have that sustaining faith as well. That sustains us day in and day out. That all things are working together for good. To them that love God. To them that are called according to his purpose. And that have the faith that if we'll trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding, all our ways acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. There is nothing too hard for God. Believing. He can save you. He can keep you. He can direct you. And he will. If we'll have faith. Daniel had faith. A powerful faith. A faith to stand up even to the king of the land. I wonder if we had to stand up for our faith. As people around the world do. You claim Christ, I'm beheading you. You claim Christ, I'm putting you into prison. You claim Christ... You're going to have to leave this country because you can't stay here and have faith in Christ. Would we stand with a powerful faith? Daniel was a guy that God could use. I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of guy God can use. It takes an excellent spirit, and that takes control from the Holy Spirit. It takes a good testimony. None of us are perfect, okay? 
I'll tell you, one of the things that I appreciate about people is when they apologize and admit they were wrong. That's a good testimony. I've even had to do it to my wife a few times. You know, because none of us are perfect. We do, and I've had to do it to my God many times. Oh, that we would pray. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves. It's a humbling thing, and pray. Seek my face. Consistent prayer life. Have a powerful faith. First of all, knowing Christ is your Savior. Then trusting him in any situation that comes your way. God will use you. God will bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.